Hi, Pastor Anthony here. At Vintage Faith Church, we stand behind the Bible's claim to be the Word of God, and we believe that the Scriptures contain everything needed for life and godliness. The Scriptures testify to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that this recording stirs your faith towards that end. This is in no way meant to be a substitute for the local church gathering, which we believe is critical to your growth as a Christian and your walk with Christ. We pray that you will find the sermon edifying and challenging. Thank you for listening. So I would ask a question this morning to, to kind of get the, the pump uh, primed here. What is your purpose here on earth? What is your purpose here on earth? I know that's a question that you've probably asked yourself. I know that I'm not coming out of nowhere asking uh, this question. You, we, we all want, even non-Christians, even atheists, are searching for meaning, meaning and purpose. Every human being wants meaning and purpose. But I, I would propose to you that how you actually um, answer this question will um, say something about what you believe about God. And I also would submit to you this morning that how you actually live will either betray or confirm what you say you believe about God. Our actions are really the true test of our faith. Do you believe that God just wants you to be happy and comfortable, um, to fulfill your desires, to to have um, comfort? Or, or do you believe that, that God's purpose for your life is bigger than comfort and happiness? Um, in, in the uh, 1647, a, a group of Presbyterian pastors got together and wrote a confession and a catechism. And uh, they asked that the, the first question in the catechism is this, and, and you've all heard it. What, what is the, the chief end of man. And, and that word end isn't, it's a little off of, of how, what they mean by that. When the Bible uses the word end, mostly it's using this Greek word called telos, and telos is, is um, end, but it's also purpose. And they're asking the question, what is the chief purpose of man? Why were men and women created by God? What, what is the chief end? And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the question that, that we have to ask this morning and, and um, as we get into to this idea of stewardship of all of life is what does it mean to glorify God. That word glory or glorify, it's one of those words like saints and, and some of those words that we just kind of have a far off, like eh, uh, that, that word, I've heard it, but I don't quite know what it, what it means and, and I don't know how to apply it to my life. Well, first we, we would look and, and, or, or just explain that, that the word glory has to do with weight giving a, a weight, kind of an oomph, uh, too. So when we give God glory, we are giving God the weight that he is 
deserved. We are ascribing him the glory that he is deserved. But how does this happen? I'm going to just rip through three scriptures. I'm going to read them fairly fast, I think, um, That may change once I start reading, but um, just three scriptures about God's glory in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So one way that we would glorify God, and Paul's here talking about sexual immorality, and if you're not married, not to be coming together, that that's for a man and a woman. And he's saying, hey, you glorify God by obeying him. So that's one way to glorify God, which, again, is different. What does God want for me? If your God just wants you to be happy and comfortable, you might say, hey, God just wants me to fulfill my desires. If I have a desire, I should do it because you know what? God wants me happy. But Paul here is saying, hey, no, you glorify God by obeying him. Peter has another take on it. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So so Peter is saying that we can actually glorify God in our suffering. We can give God glory in our suffering. And back to Paul in 1 Corinthians. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, so Paul here is talking about we can actually, how we have um, fun and enjoy life. We can glorify God or we cannot glorify God. So this is a humongous category, a humongous category. The statement that is in our, it's the fifth point in our mission and vision at Vintage Faith is this. Stewarding all of our lives wisely in joyful submission to and for the glory of God. Okay, you heard Steve pray. It was a beautiful prayer just about, Lord, you've given us um, so much. Help us to steward what you've given us. That's what today's sermon is going to be on. And I realize, again, as I, as, as I scan the, the room, um, young people, older people, uh, people at the end of their life, um, young people, Lord willing, at the beginning of their life, middle age, we're, we're all over the map here. And, and I don't want you to hear like, please don't look back on your life and walk out of here in regret and say, I wish I would have done this. God does not want you walking out of here in regret. Maybe the proper thing to do would be to walk out and say, okay, I still have time. I can change. I can do this. So let's, let's get specific. How do we glorify God with all of our lives, stewarding all of our lives? This is not just about money. That's not going to be a sermon about money today, although that's included. So um, our wealth and our resources. How do we glorify God with our wealth? There's varying degrees of wealth in here, but let's face it, we're all Americans. We're all rich. We're all rich. So how do we 
steward our wealth and our resources, which would be our money, our, our home, our assets? How do we steward our relationships? Everyone in here has a, a set of relationships. You've got a circle of people in your life that God has providentially put in your life. How do you steward those relationships? How do you glorify God in those relationships? We're talking marriage, children, family, neighbors, co-workers. Okay? Our time. This is a big one here, right? We, we live in a, in, in a day and an age where kind of our time is ours and don't infringe upon my time. I want to relax. I'm, I'm a culprit of that. Going into a weekend, my wife will tell you if I've got like from, from Friday night to Sunday booked, I'm just going to be miserable. I'm an introvert and I, I recharge by just being alone. Um, so if I've got a lot going on in my calendar, I'm just going to burn out. And you might have a conversation with me and think, what's wrong with pastor today? And it's just I, I haven't had that time. Um, so, so time, how do we give our time? What's the best use of our time, your time? Honor, it's going to be different for everyone in here. I, I'm a pastor, so my, my time needs to be spent shepherding the flock, studying, preaching, teaching. But that's not where, what all of your time should be spent doing. It's, it's going to be different for all of us. Our talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts. If you were here last week, we talked about spiritual gifts, discovering our gifts and using them. Um, but this goes beyond our gifts. Some of you in here are extremely talented at certain things. And how do you glorify God with those talents? It, it can be as simple as I go to work and I do the best job that I can in what I do. That glorifies God. I wake up, I don't grumble, I go to work, I get it done, and I'm excellent at what I do. That glorifies God. But what are your talents? We're going to, as we go through this sermon, I, I want to kind of inspire you to, to, to begin maybe a prayer journal or a journal, just taking inventory of your life. What am I good at? What's my history? What, what has God led me up into this point to do? What have I struggled with and how can I use those struggles to help others? Jesus in the Gospels, calls everyone and, and, and the disciples, come and see, hear. Hear the word of God. Hear the gospel. Come and see. But, but he gets to a point with his disciples where he says, okay, you have heard, you believe, now go and die. Die. And, and how he says this is, lose your life for my sake. Or pick up your cross, and follow me. So Jesus calls us to come and see, but eventually it's go and die. And, and I think the, the American church, in our comfort, uh, we get kind of stuck in the come and see mode, right? Oh, I'm, I'm going to come and see, and I'm going to come and see, and I'm going to come and see, and then sooner or later, you're just going to be like, I, I, don't like it. I don't like it here. I don't like pastor sermons. I don't like the music today. Um, 
Uh, you know, I, this, they've got to change some things. They don't have the ministries I like. Sooner or later, you're, you're just going to leave if you don't pick up your cross and say, hey, I'm in. And that's what this whole sermon series has been about. Like, jump in. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for an official ministry. There are things to do, work to do. Your whole life is a ministry. Remember, God has given you, if you know Jesus, he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. That's heavy in a good way. And it's been given to you by God, not by me, but by God. You're ministers of reconciliation. Uh, an article on the Gospel Coalition of this kind of come-and-see mode struck me. I was reading it this week. Um, the writer says, one of the most significant threats to the Christian church in the West today is comfort. And part of why I think it's a threat is that it's internal and it's not obvious as a threat. Comfort is an insidious idol inside of the church. We've become so thoroughly shaped by the consumer culture around us that we don't even recognize it as a shape. As a result, we now take for granted that faith, like anything else, should fit within this consumeristic, comfortable path of least resistance paradigm. We, we kind of touched on this last week a little bit, you know, Romans 12. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. And I brought up, I think one of the ways that Christians are conformed to the patterns of this world are this. We come in here as consumers. You're being told every day that you are a consumer. If you watch football today, you're going to be told 100 to 200 times, you're a consumer. You were made to buy stuff and use stuff. When God says, no, you are a cultivator, you were made to work. You were made to make things, to produce things, to create things. In fact, you were made so much to work that you work six days and rest one. It's not rest six days and work one. It's get to work for six days and rest one. And, and brothers and sisters, I would say that's no different within the church. Like we, we have to, to be in it and using our gifts if we're going to find purpose and meaning. All right. So um, uh, one of the, the things that, that's going to kind of run through this, this sermon is uh, the idea in the, the scripture that Samantha read that everything we have, everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. Nothing we have is ours in the sense that um, it's God's before it is Ours. Yes, we own things. Yes, we have things. But it is a gift. You would have nothing if it wasn't for God giving it to you. Our money is a gift. Our mind is a gift. The fact that you can hear me right now, understand what I'm saying, and process it is a gift from God. Our home is a gift from God. Our spouse is a gift from God. Our friends are gifts from God. Our children, oh, this is a hard one, right? We want their mind, their mind, their mind. No, they're God's. Our children are gifts from God. Our work 
is a gift. And I know that's for some of you, like, oh, my work's not a gift. Like, come on, it's toil, but work is is a gift. Paul says it like this, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? You've received everything that you have, you've received. Eternal life, you've received. You haven't worked for it. It's a gift. And this is something as we think about stewarding all of our lives, all of our assets, and again, assets, not just meaning money, but everything that you have that God has given you, as you think about that, you have to remember that this is not yours. Your life is but a breath. It's a breath. Any one of us could walk out of here and and, and today be our last day. And it doesn't, and it might not be the older people in the room. It could be the younger. Lord willing, it's not. But, but any one of us, it could be it. Your life is a gift. And this is what we hear David when he's dedicating to the temple. They're building the house of God. Um, not quite yet, but getting all the, the resource ready for it. And David says in First Chronicles, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to thus offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Our Lord, our God, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house, For your holy name comes from your hand, and it is all your own. So I I would ask you this morning, do you view your life in that way? I I mean, this is is a beautiful moment. David's getting the temple ready for for his son Solomon, and, and he's giving his own things to the building of God's house, to the temple, which was God's mission at that point in redemptive history. And he's giving to it, and he's saying, this is all yours anyway, Lord. Who, who am I? Who, who am I? To, to, I'm giving back to you what you've already given me. So the question that we have to ask this morning, and, and I, I, you can, um, I, I want you to think about these personally. And, and again, children, older people, like we're all, we're all in different stages. There's no cookie-cutter way to do this. But um, if everything you have is a gift, from God, then how do you use it to glorify God? I'll ask that again. If everything that you have, everything is a gift from God, then how do you use it to give God glory? That's a question we all have to, to ask. And again, I, I, I would just say, hey, get a journal out and start just thinking about your life. What am I good at? Where, where have I been? What's my history? How, what, do you, what do I think my spiritual gifts are? Um, what, is my, what are my talents, my natural talents, my natural abilities? How can I glorify God with all of that? Like I was saying, I, I think um, if you sit in any church, no matter where you are, for any length of time, um, if you're not kind of digging in like that, like pushing in, like, hey, I, I'm here and I want to, 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 to be a part, you're, you're going to get bored. Um, and I think we can look at, at faith in, in church like two different ways. Number one, you're, you're a consumer. You come in here and you're looking for, you know, hey, the, the sermon, the music, and, and did that 
fill me and, and what are all, you know, what kind of programs do, does the church have and, and what about this and what about that? And, and I'm not saying any of that stuff is necessarily inherently bad. But if your mindset is, that's why I'm going somewhere, I would say you're probably a little off and you need adjusting. The second thing that you can do is just jump in with the people, no matter where you go, and use everything that you've been given to edify and strengthen the body of Christ. And that would include evangelism. If you're like, hey, I come to church, but I'm an evangelist pastor, go do it. But when people come to faith in Christ, they need to be in a flock. Like, you have to be in a church. It have to be. You, the Bible doesn't even have a category for not belonging to a church. If you're going to grow in Christ, you're going to do it in a body of people. So let, let's do a little quick recap of, of where we've been. We're uh, the last four weeks um, in this mission and vision statement. So number one, if you remember, um, a disciple loves God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, by pursuing intimacy with God through the individual spiritual discipline, disciplines and faithful corporate worship. So the first thing that a disciple does is we seek God, remember, as, as our greatest treasure. That's going to include Bible reading and prayer and, and fasting and, and, and this and, and being part of the body. So um, if, if that's not happening, everything else I'm saying is just going to sound exhausting. A disciple also demonstrates the distinctiveness of discipleship through the fruit of the Spirit. So Steve did, did an excellent job on the, the fruit of the Spirit sermon, and he talked about how a disciple is different than the world. It doesn't mean, and we're going to get to this, it doesn't mean we withdraw from the world. We are in the world, but we are different than the world. We are not the same. I mean, just an example here, you, you might be in a company and um, maybe you're, you're a guy here and, and you, all, the, all the guys are going out on Friday night and, hey, we're going to hit uh, you know, the gentleman's club. No, I mean, if you're a Christian and, and you go along with that, you're, you're in sin. No, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I have a wife, I, I, that's, you know, whatever. So you, we, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. The disciple also proclaims the gospel. If, if you're not sharing your faith, you have to ask why. Um, I, I know there's a bunch of different temperaments in here, and, and some of you might be a little more scared and, and nervous, and, and others of you, you're bold, and you're, you're out to dinner, and you're sharing the gospel. Um, <clears throat> but do you ever share the gospel would be the question. Have you shared the gospel? Have you shared about what God has done in your life? Does it mean enough to you that you would share it with someone else. Disciples share. They're so shaped by the gospel that it invades and permeates their entire life. It should give us all a life of humility, um, humbleness, humility, and we should want to share it with others. And then, of course, last week was discovering our spiritual gifts, finding purpose in the body, and being released to serve others using those gifts. Brothers and sisters, I would just say that if that's not the Christianity that you've been leaning into, um, you're missing out. 
Like, it's not like I'm standing up here saying, do this, you should do this, do this. It's more like, do this, it's amazing. Like, you want to find meaning and purpose in your life? Do this. It's God's good plan. And you got to figure out what that is for you. I can tell you early on, when Amy and I started going uh, to a church, this was probably... Oh, it's 2023, so this would have been 2006, seven. Um, I can remember <clears throat> meeting a bunch of Christian men, and, and this was new for me. Uh, and, and one of the things, places that I think I went wrong was you, you can look at a lot of people around you and say, well, I should be like that. I should be like him. And, and we should imitate people in the, the best way in godliness. But what can happen is, you see a model of it, and you're like, hey, well, that, that's really, I can, I'm not sure that I can be like that person. And you, here's the good news. You don't have to. Everyone in here, you were created unique by God. Be the best believer, Christian, child of God that you can be. Lean into your own personality. Lean into it. If you're outgoing and gregarious, God made you like that. If you're shy and introverted, God made you like that. We need more introverts. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an introvert, but we need people that can listen. We live in a world right now where everyone's just talking and no one's listening. Like we can be different by listening. But lean in to how God made you. And he's given you a spiritual gift to be used in the body and it's going to be different. He's, he's made the body, one body, many parts. That was a few weeks ago. All right. So as believers, as believers in Jesus, we live right now in between the two advents of Jesus. What do I mean? He came. He, he, his incarnation, his resurrection, and his ascension, and he is coming again. We live at what Paul would say is the end of the ages. We live in a unique time in human history. Very unique time in human history between the two advents of the Messiah, the anointed Messiah. And I think there's two ways we can go wrong as believers when it comes to this time period that we find ourselves in, this, this waiting um, the first way that we can go wrong is we wait like he is not coming back. And we just immerse ourselves in the world and we kind of forget that, hey, there's a judge. His name is Jesus. He's coming back to restore all things, but he's also coming back to judge. And we should be ready. So, so we can forget that and just begin living in a worldly way. Or... And I saw this a lot during COVID, and, and it did give me a little concern. We can talk about how bad the world is, how, how, how oh, look at the world, it's, everything is falling apart, and it seems to be. And then the church can slowly withdraw and back away to protect, right? Because it's bad. It's really bad out there. Let's, let's protect and, and I would say both of those ways are, are, are wrong. They're, they're errors. Um, Jesus calls you and me to be salt and light. 
that we are to go into the world. Salt preserves. We are to preserve the culture by being in it. We can't do that if we're retreating. So we are to be salt, and, and light, of course, shines brighter in the darkness. So shine your light. Be out there. Don't grumble that it's so bad. You, you work in a place, and, hey, it's, it's bad, and I don't like it, but just be a light. Maybe Jesus has you there providentially to shine your light in the darkness. We get to do this, Christian. This isn't something we have to do. We get to do it. So let's read uh, probably the most famous parable about this, um, and then we will, we will end on that. What do we do now? That, that's what this parable is all about. It, 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 it's the stewardship of everything that we have. Here we go. Matthew 25, 14 to 18. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Okay, so this is a parable about the, the, where, what I'm talking about, the two advents of Christ. Okay, the master has come. He's given some talents. Talents are, are sums of money, so we don't get that confused with I'm talking about talents and abilities. Um, in this parable, it's sums of money. However, it's a metaphor for talents and abilities, so if that's where your mind is going, think about it like this. The talents are everything that you've been given that, I, that I've been talking about for the last half hour. And if we were to just do some basic observation here... Um, they're servants, and they're entrusted with the master's property. It's not their property. The master has given them property. And he gives one man or one woman five talents, another two, and one one. The master gives what the master gives. We can't question it. This is not a matter of fairness. Some people are entrusted with a lot, and some people are entrusted with a little. And that's not the point. The point is faithfulness. So we see here, um, the, five, the man with the five talents, what does he, he do? He received the five talents, went at once. He doesn't waste any time. At once, he goes and takes those five talents and trades. So, so just a few implications of what that would entail. He's going to the marketplace. He's shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with the world. And he's investing those talents. He is interacting. He is not moving back and saying, hey, it's a pretty nasty marketplace out there. I'm just going to chill in my, my little home and take what the master gave me and just protect it. It's not what he's doing. He was given those five talents, and at once he goes out, 
He is on mission. He is investing what was given to him and multiplying it. Same with the, the person with two talents. And brothers and sisters, I would say this is, this is it. This is what we're, we're talking about. What are your talents? Here's, I'm going to use the metaphor. What are your talents? What has God given you? What are you doing with it? Is it, hey, I'm, I'm going to protect this. I, 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 it's, you know, if, I, if I go out and try to you know, interact, it, it, I, I'm going to get hurt. I'm scared. What would people think of me? I can tell you right now, people don't always think well of you. I mean, that's just the truth. If we knew everything that everyone was thinking of us, it, we, we would go home and just close our door and say, I'm tapping out. Every once in a while, you get glimpses of what other people are thinking of you. You hear, and this is Ecclesiastes, like don't, don't listen too much, right? The Bible says don't, don't put your ear too much to that, um, to what other people are saying. But, but what are you afraid of? What, what could you be afraid of. So again, what, what are your resources? Think here, and, and again, I, keep hearing me say this, get a journal out, pray, think about your life, write things down. What, what are you good at? What are your resources? How are those giving glory to God? How are they multiplying? Are you multiplying disciples, parents? I mean, there's not a lot of kids in here, but we are the primary disciple makers. We don't abdicate our children's discipleship to youth group. You, parents, are the disciple makers. You are the ones responsible for making disciples in your home. Those are your resources. How can you use your resources to glorify God? We don't want to be like the man who hid the one talent. He was given one talent, and he, and he hid it. He, he was afraid. He, he didn't understand who the master was. He probably isn't a believer. Let's read in Matthew 25 what this man does. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have, here you have what is yours. Brothers and sisters, we don't want that. We don't want to be that man or woman. We don't. There's going to be a day where we stand face to face with the Lord and he's going to say, what have you done with what I have given you? And we have to answer. We have to answer. And, and we'll look at that in, in a minute. But this man is, is saying, hey, I, I knew you were a hard man. I was a, afraid of you. So, so I, I hid them and, and I retreated and, and I, I, I wasn't out there multiplying what you have given me. And, and the master, who, who is the Lord here, says, you wicked and slothful servant. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. When you read this parable, and I would just encourage you to, to read it on your own, um, 
This is a parable that, that is right in our face. And it's God saying, I have given you something. Are you using it? Are you using it? All right, so we don't want to end on, on, on the one talent man. Let's look at the, the, the man in, in, with two and the man with five. And, and Lord willing, that's all, all of us. And, and we're all in different seasons of life. So you might be in a, a season right now where you're like, hey, I don't feel like I'm doing much. Well, just wait. Maybe, maybe there's, that's going to change, especially moms that are home with young kids. You're, you're pouring into your children. That, that, is, that is investing. I would just say don't forget discipleship. That is um, on you and on you, dad. All right, Matthew 25, 19 to 23. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he, he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. There will come a day, like I said, that you're going to stand before your maker. And I know that's not on the top of all, all of our minds, but, but the day is coming. And I know we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, from the one whose opinion really matters. We spend so much of our life looking for that well done, good and faithful servant from, from people. But the one who really matters, whose opinion matters because he sees us for who we truly are, is one day going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I think this is what Paul means when he talks about the weight of glory, that one day we will experience God's glory. He will bestow on us the well-done, good, and faithful servant. This life is momentary. It's, it's a blip. This is not peacetime in the Christian narrative. This is wartime. This is battle. Time. There's an enemy and he seeks to devour every one of you. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you having relationships with people in the church. He doesn't want you reading his word. He doesn't want you worshiping the king. There's an enemy and he is against you. So in the end, if you are a child of God, you will stand before your master Paul says we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And he will ask, my son or my daughter, what did you do with what I gave you? And you're going to answer. And, and I hope the answer is not, um, God says, I made you 
with, with hands where you can work with your hands. I gave you skill, and, and what did you build? And I hope the answer is I, I just built my own house. Or God may say, I made, I made you a musician, but you sought your own glory and your own fame. Or maybe I made you to fight for people who can't speak or fight for themselves, but you fought against my people. Or maybe he says, I gave you spiritual gifts to build the church, but you sought comfort instead. I think this is a bit of what Jesus is talking about when he says, lose your life so you will find it. That we want just to take all the stuff that he gave us and kind of be safe and and withdraw. And he's saying, no, take everything that I gave you and go at once. Go. Go. And I pray that our story here as a church will be the well done, good and faithful servant story. I pray that for every one of you in here, that is your story. And if that is your story, oh, how sweet that moment will be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we love you, Lord, and, and we confess that, that we have all fallen short here, Lord. I, I, I pray if anyone's feeling conviction right now that is not from you, that is just condemnation, I pray against that thinking and just um, help us to, to all know that we're all broken and, and sinful and fragile and we've all made mistakes. We've all squandered time and wasted parts of our life. That is just the human experience for every human being. But Lord, you are a God who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. No matter if you're 80, if you're 50 or 20 in here, whatever is in your past, uh, the Lord, we know, God, that you can restore those years and you can give us fruitful time. So I do pray for everyone in here, old, young, midlife, every children who are just getting ready to be launched into the world, that they can find their purpose, know what they're good at, understand the gifts that you've been given, they've been given by you and understand their spiritual gifts and go out and make multiply those talents for the glory of God. Lord, this is all for your glory. We exist for your glory. We are here exalting your name. We love you. Um, You get all the glory. Um, Empower us, Lord, to, to do what you command us to do. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope that you found this sermon edifying, encouraging, and challenging. To learn more about Vintage Faith Church, visit vintagefaithcicero.com. And of course, if you live in the area, we invite you to worship the Lord with us on Sunday mornings.